work Working on better versions of me Every day so I can become the person I'm trying to be I evolve Every day's another opportunity Getting right and eating good That ain't nothing new to me I thrive To be the strongest and the healthiest I can Yeah, it's all part of the plan What's up guys? Welcome back to the Work Evolve Thrive Podcast Thanks for listening Today is Monday I got the three things I learned last week I'm supposed to record that on Sunday But I had to prioritize the show with Jen and I for a couple of reasons. Number one, you guys listen to that and enjoy it more. And many people have told me that they listen to that and enjoy it more. So we got to prioritize what you guys like, number one. Number two, Jen works in Manhattan. So we don't have a lot of time to record and a lot of time to get together and sit in here and do the shows. So I got to prioritize that time also where we could be together and have that conversation. So today... I'm recording the three things I learned this week, another format that I really actually enjoy doing because it makes me highlight, makes me take notes, makes me really dive into what I'm learning. Remember, there's three things, something I read, something I listened to, and something I just learned throughout everyday life. Now, we're going to get into the first thing that I read, right? Jay Shetty, Eight Rules of Love, finished up the book. I left a couple, the last chapter out, it was really how to break up and move on in a relationship. I'm not in that mental space, so I decided to leave that out. Don't even want to focus on it. For me, the book was about building a stronger relationship with Jen, learning how to build that strong relationship, and the systems and processes we should be taking. Now, I took this book from a different perspective because we were in a bad place, but now we're in a great place. I just want it to be better. I always want it to be better. I think constantly improving our lives and our relationships is a foundation of happiness. So if we could be in a better relationship with our significant other, better relationship with our family and our friends, better relationship with our children, everything in life just seems a little bit easier. And that was my purpose behind reading this book. And while reading this book, I saw a lot of similarities to why Jen and I's relationship has improved so much. What were those things, right? What was the format and the structure for that? Number one, I talked about last week was self-love, like learning to love yourself, taking time away, finding solitude and loving yourself first. Jay said he really believes if we don't love ourselves, we're never going to be able to love our partner fully. We're never going to be able to understand what it takes to love them. This real kind of big second thing he talked about is following your purpose, your your passions, your mission in life. What is that for you? Follow that. Chase that. If we can't follow our purpose, our passion, our mission, we can't love ourselves. And if we can't love ourselves because we're not chasing our dreams, how are we going to love our spouse? How are we going to love our significant other? So this next biggest piece is chasing your purpose, your passion, your mission. Now, when I kind of transitioned and changed, I went from working at the bakery, working with my family to doing something I didn't really care about. I just did because it was my fallback. I didn't do great in school. I didn't finish college. I didn't really have any skills. So it was a fallback job for me. It wasn't really a purpose or passion job. It was like, okay, you suck. This is what you're going to do now. And my sobriety and having the wife that I have to push me to be better, to allow me to step out of my comfort zone, allow me to take a significant pay cut and kind of chop away at our family's finances, someone to allow me to do that and support me fully with no resentment, just 100% dive in support. I got your back. I'm here for you. Anything you need, I'm here to support you. Chase your dream. 
I had the luxury of having that person have my back. Now, I'm going to read a couple things from the book, but don't make fun of me for my reading because I'm not a very, uh, I'm not a very fluent reader. So if I stutter a little bit, it's because, you know, I'm not, not very good at it. I'm better at talking without reading. So first thing, your purpose has to come first for you and your partner's purpose has to come first for them. So we're talking about purpose. I am chasing my purpose, my passion, my mission. That is to help my community, help my family, help my friends be as fit, happy, and healthy as they could possibly be. That is my goal. We all have the ability to live our happiest, best, most fulfilling life. And sometimes society and life pulls us away from that. So that is my purpose and passion. And what I didn't realize is Jen's kind of following her purpose and passion and mission too. So us both following our things external allows us to come together and support each other. Full support. She fully supports me. I fully support her. And even today, she was texting me. She had a big boss, a big meeting with one of her bosses. And I was like texting back and forth, supporting her, supporting each other. And she's always there for me to support me. And we don't really think about chasing our purpose and passion as part of a relationship But in reality, it is. We are a team. We are a unit. I always say it's me and you against the world. And you have to operate supporting each other on each other's purpose, passion, and mission. So having our purpose helps us grow and sustain a relationship. He even talks about couples need to maintain their individual identity with the relationship rather than the relationship to find them, right? We have three relationships, the one with our spouse, the one with our purpose, and the one with their purpose. And once we're all able to chase our purpose, our passion, and our mission and live the life to our fullest potential, it allows us to be much happier in a relationship. This kind of goes into my last thing. My last thing is talking about what I learned this week. When we grow, we grow old when we stop growing. It's the only time we grow old. Same thing in relationship. Relationship comes boring and stale and mundane and you feel like you're in a hamster wheel. When you stop chasing your dreams, we should all continually chase our dreams, all continually chase our purpose, our passion, and our mission. And when we have a support system like I have with Jen, we're able to live in such a happy, peaceful place. So that's what I learned this week reading is don't hide from your purpose, passion, or mission. Attack it. Now, he does talk about this in this. Where, where are you guys like in your relationship? Where are you financially? How do you attack chasing your purpose? Maybe it's one person at a time. Maybe you let your husband go and he's, his purpose is triathlon racing and, and you allow him to do that for the summer. Then in the winter, you are, um, have your book club or knitting and you love reading or writing and now you're going to write a book. He lets you do that for the winter. And you go back and forth chasing your purpose and passion while the other's holding down the responsibilities of the house, whether that's the finances, the kids, the cooking, the cleaning, and you go back and forth, allowing each other to chase your purpose, passion, and mission. We have the luxury of both being able to do that at the same time. Not everybody does, but there's always a way to chase your dreams and continually try and improve your lives. All right. That's number one. What did I read? Second is what did I listen to? What I listened to was a podcast with... Sean Stevenson and Paul Saladino. Sean Stevenson 
Um, his show is the Model Health Show. That's what it's called, the Model Health Show on all podcast formats. He's also written Sleep Smarter and Eat Smarter, two best-selling books. I don't know if they're New York Times bestsellers, but they're they're uh, very high-ranking books. And then Dr. Paul Cialadino is known as the Carnivore MD. He's also wrote a book, I believe it's called The Carnivore Code. So this is a long podcast. I, and one of the things they were talking about was the new government guidelines. The new government guidelines come out every five, uh, every five years. The last ones you just put out uh, 2020 to 2025, five years. And they were talking about the guidelines this year and the guidelines, there was 20 people on the committee. And out of those 20 people, 19 had ties to uh, the food industry and big pharma. That's 95% of the people had ties. And most of those people had ties to the International Life Sciences Institute. Now, what is the International Life Sciences Institute? They're in, in control of all the lobbying for junk food, like Pepsi, Kraft, McDonald's. And that lobbying is in charge of policy, labeling. And basically, the major funders are making the guidelines. So if we're thinking about our food guidelines, who's making those? Now, that's the major funders. That's the 19 people that had ties to the food industry are making the guidelines. So, you know... We're in the weeds. You guys are listening to me. You you understand basic nutrition. Hey, we're omnivores. We should be eating plants and animals. But these guidelines don't really correlate with that. If any of you guys saw one of the big things in the news recently was the Tufts Food Compass Study. This Tufts Food Compass Study, I'm going to go over the scoring a little bit. It took three years to do, and they ranked foods green, yellow, and red. Green to have the most of. Red to start um, moderating, and then... I mean, yellow to start moderating and then red to really eliminate. And in the green, we had things like orange juice, frosted mini wheats, sweet potato fries, chocolate covered almonds, and honey nut Cheerios. Those are just some of the things that are the green. That means those things would be the best for us. We got fries, frosted mini wheats, orange juice, uh, honey nut Cheerios, chocolate covered almonds. And if you guys have worked with me before, that's kind of the opposite of what we tell you guys to avoid, really for two main things, the sugar and refined vegetable oils that we know are harmful to our bodies. But the tough study ranked these foods the top rated foods. Now, we go in the yellow. So this is moderate. Yellow, some of the things I highlight in here were Lucky Charms, uh, almond M&Ms, and egg substitutes fried in veggie oil. So not even a real egg. Right, those were our moderate, and the red don't eat, avoid were regular eggs, ground beef, and cheese. So they want us, they recommending us to have a breakfast with frosted mini weights, orange juice, and maybe some almond milk, and avoid eggs and beef because they're bad for you. And the way they did this study was, they only uh, they only tested for the bad things, like what are bad and. Now, what was bad for them in this study were things like saturated fat and cholesterol. So if a food had saturated fat and cholesterol, like eggs or beef, they were ranked as bad, as harmful. And that's what they did the study based off, not sugar and how it affects our insulin and the refined vegetable oils, not that stuff, because that's still good for us. That's still seen as heart healthy. That's you know what they're really pushing us to eat. As the country keeps getting heavier and heavier and sicker and sicker, the reason being 19 of the people on the on the panel out of 20, 95% have tied to the food and drug industry. Food and drug industry. And now why does this matter? It matters because these guidelines that are put out by the US government, they're taught in schools, 
there with the school lunches. I don't know if you guys saw come out that Lunchables are now available in schools. Literally, Lunchables, like one of the unhealthiest foods for your kids, are now available in schools. Um, If we don't know about school lunches, pizza counts as a vegetable because it's got tomatoes and wheat. So pizza is a vegetable in our school lunches. Food stamps, WIC, low-income programs are all based off these. So as our communities are getting heavier, sicker, we're continuing to push these foods into them, continuing to subsidize these foods because of these studies. And it can be really harmful if we're not paying attention. So we need to do our own research on what's good, what's what's healthy, what's unhealthy, because if we have this information coming in from like Tufts, which is a, as we see, is like a prominent uh, university. Wow, Tufts did this study. That means frosted mini wheat should be good for us, right? They're testing and studying it. But when you know the studies are backed by the same companies they're doing the studies for, it can be very detrimental to our health and to our diet. So that's what I listened to this this uh, this week. One of the podcasts, very informative podcast. You also talk about humans as omnivores and all kind of animals as omnivores, which is very interesting. And I'll just go into this briefly before I move on, but humans as omnivores. Now, in the zoology programs, they talk about animals and omnivores. But what we don't talk about is 75 to 80% of animals are either plant-based or animal-based. Yes, they're omnivores, but they're either plants or animals. Like dogs are primarily animal-based, but yes, they can eat some plants. And then you have like baboons, which are primarily plant-based, but yes, they eat some animals. Chickens are primarily plant-based, but yes, they eat some animals. So we have these percentages that maybe we're directed towards one way or another. And humans tend to be the same. And what is that for you? Maybe we're different. Maybe we're animal-based. Maybe we're plant-based, but we should be eating a variety of both. And whether it's 70% animal, 30% plants, 30% uh, plants, uh, 70% animal, for me personally, I think that varies depending on your lineage and your history. I also think it varies uh, personal, right? Individual. Where do you feel better? Where do you perform best? Uh, a lot of science says that we are animal-based because of thing, the vitamins we need, like vitamin A, choline, creatine, very important vitamins that aren't found in plants. So me personally, I am more animal-based, but yes, I do eat fruits and vegetables, which that was pretty interesting to me. All right, that's what I listened to. If you want to listen to it, it's Paul Saladino on the Model Health Show, Sean Stevenson's podcast, very well done podcast. It's about an hour episode. The last thing, what I learned just via life. The more and more I surround myself with people, older people, people getting older, I don't know which way to put this, but is the victim mentality and using their age to victimize themselves. And it gets me a little bit angry and a little bit upset, and I don't know which way to take it. As I've said before, I live with my grandfather, who is the biggest victim of them all. Everything's bad in life. Everything. Right? And I posted something the other day. I even said this to him yesterday. He's like, we got to get to a place where we never whine, never complain, never make excuses. And there's a fourth one in there. Never validate why you can't or why you shouldn't. My other uh, grandmother, who's 91, says she really can't drive anymore because she's 91. 
I've had people in the gym, you know, I'm getting close to 60. I really can't lift any weights anymore. And we use our age, you know, I'm 56, I'm this, I'm that, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting old. We use our age as an excuse to hold us back. The reality is when we grow old, the only time we grow old is when we stop growing, right? When we grow older, the only time we grow old is when we stop growing. We have to push ourselves in life. We can't be a victim to our age. That is literally the lowest part of mindset. The weakest part of mindset is the victim. The woe is me. Poor me. I'm getting older. My knee hurts. I can't get off the, get up and down off the ground. I can't run. I can't lift that. I'm old. You don't realize I'm old. You're only old because you say you're old. That's it. You're only old because you say you're old. And we have to get out of that mindset as we age. I, I'm going to be 40 soon. Each and every day I meet somebody with this mentality, it drives me to go the exact opposite direction. It pushes me to go the exact opposite direction. You want to be a competitor in your life. Take action in your life. Be fit in your life. And if you don't want to get to that victim mentality, if you don't want to break down as you get older, we have to put in the work now. Not only physically work, mental work. We are fully capable of thriving late into our 80s and 90s. We are fully capable of that. We don't want to be dying for the next 30 years. We want to die very quickly. If you are incapable of living to your full potential, you are dying right now. Right now, you are starting to die. What is life? Life is fighting of death. That's what we're trying to do continuously is fight off death. That's what life is. Entropy. Fight death. That's what we're trying to do. And once you commit or submit to saying, I'm old, I can't, you are starting your dying process. For me, <coughs> coughing here. For me personally, I want to end my life thriving. Whether that's 80, 90, whether that's 45, 50, I don't know when I'm going to die. None of us know. We know that we're going to die. So why die for 20 years? Why not live to our fullest potential for 20 years? Why not push ourselves to our bodies fully capable for 20 years? You can't get down and get up? Guess what? That's because you haven't got down and gotten up. You can't climb stairs? Guess what? That's because you haven't climbed stairs. I know there's injuries. I know there's a, some circumstances that inhibit us from doing that. But for the most of us, it's mental. We haven't put in the work. We quit on ourselves. We have that victim mentality that we are getting older and we shouldn't be able to do stuff. I shouldn't be able to lift weights. I shouldn't be able to drive. I shouldn't be able to go on that hike or go on that trip because, you know, I'm old now. Who gives a shit? If you do the work, you could still do the tasks. If you stay fit, you could still do the task. If you have a different mindset, you could still do the task. One of my clients was talking, his 83-year-old um, aunt still walks three miles every day. Guess what? She's going to still be able to walk three miles every day until she stops. Until she stops pushing herself to be physical, to be strong, to be fit, to be capable of living her best life. So we have to get away from that victim mentality. Never whine, never complain, never make excuses, and never validate why you can't. We are all fully capable until we're not. 
physically and mentally. We must push ourselves to our ultimate potential. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed. Talk to you guys all soon.